This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alex Ty. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Wednesday the 19th of July. In your Squiz today, bye-bye to the Commonwealth Games. Russia halts the grain supply. Emoji could be legally binding. And Taylor Swift reaches new heights. This is your Squiz today. What a shock yesterday when Victorian Premier Daniel Andrews came out and said that Victoria would no longer be hosting the 2026 Commonwealth Games. It was an announcement that nobody expected, but Claire, it came down to the most predictable reason of all money. Yeah, so Andrews said that the original price tag for the games of $2.6 billion had blown out to as much as $7 billion. Hmm. And Andrews said, frankly, $7 billion for a sporting event, we are not doing that. And that was that. (laughs) Andrews was definitive that the Commonwealth Games are not happening in Victoria. And in response, the Commonwealth Games Australia boss, Craig Phillips, he pushed back against Andrews $7 billion dollar figure, he said that in his view, the price tag is a gross exaggeration and not reflective of the operating costs. Now, the thing to note about these games and what was making them more costly was that they were actually going to be held across a bunch of regional centres in Victoria rather than in Melbourne itself. One person who wasn't so surprised at the cancellation was John Coates, Australia's former Olympic committee boss who had big roles in securing the Sydney and Brisbane Olympics. He said that the regional model was never going to work. So, Claire, what happens now? Yeah, and that is the question. We don't really have a lot of answers on that yet. Within hours of Victoria's announcement, pretty much all the other states had come out and said that they're not interested in hosting the Games. Uh, Western Australia's Premier Roger Cook even rubbed salt in that wound by saying that the Games aren't what they used to be. Hmm. Uh, But while we don't know exactly what it means for the 2026 Com Games, the sledging Olympics, are on. Victoria's <laughs> coalition leader, John Prosciutto, said that Andrew's call was hugely damaging to Victoria's reputation and a betrayal of regional Victoria. Uh, others, though, have backed Andrew's in saying that the cancellation will mean that public money will be put to better use. And on that, Andrew's has already promised $2 billion to go to the regions where the Games were meant to be held, including $1 billion earmarked to build 1,300 new homes. In his announcement yesterday, the Premier said he'll have more to unpack throughout the week. You and Alice flagged this yesterday, Claire. The yes and no campaigns have outlined their cases for voters to consider when it comes time to vote in the referendum on enshrining an Indigenous voice to Parliament in Australia's constitution. They put up their pamphlets on the Electoral Commission's website. Yeah, they're on that website. And Alex, you'll be surprised it wasn't like a Taylor Swift concert situation. The website (laughs) stayed operating. There wasn't a rush on that. Um, The no campaign, though, in a nutshell... They've based their case on the argument that 
we don't really know how the advisory body would be held accountable. They say that if we don't know, vote no. As for the Yes campaign, it says that it's going to be a moment to unite the nation and that it's the best chance of practical progress for disadvantaged Indigenous communities. And on that accountability point, they say that the voice would give advice. The parliament and the government, though, would be responsible for making decisions. The website did not crash, but if you aren't a website person and you want the analogue version, you can just wait until the pamphlet arrives in your mailbox. The AEC will be printing 12 million pamphlets and delivering them before the referendum, although we are still waiting for a date for that vote. Russia has ended a deal that allowed Ukraine to continue exporting grain in a move that the United Nations says is a blow to people in need everywhere. This is one of those stories that just needs a little bit of context. Mm. Ukraine produces a lot of the world's grain and when Russia invaded last year, it actually blocked Ukraine's ability to export that grain through the Black Sea. The United Nations and Turkey stepped in and brokered a deal that allowed those exports to continue. And that deal was subject to renewal every three months. And yesterday we heard that Russia isn't going to do that. That decision, they say, is final. Which means that we can expect global grain prices to rise and a worsening of the global food crisis, according to the UN Secretary General Antonio Guterres, who said he deeply regrets Russia's decision. This week, our podcast is brought to you by Aware Super. Superannuation can sometimes feel like just another overwhelming life admin chore. But as a member of Aware Super, you'll have access to lots of free online tools to help you, like their My Retirement Planner, which allows you to see how much you might need for retirement and comes with an easy to understand plan of how to get there. Read the PDFs and TMD at aware.com.au. Emoji users beware. You know how you sometimes just flick off a casual thumbs up at the end of a text chain? Well, after a Canadian court decision, you might not want to be so casual. Alex, I give a thumbs up to all sorts of things that I haven't (laughs) properly read and Uh don't properly understand, but this is certainly the case when it comes to Canada. Uh, Funnily enough, a grain farmer and the company who wanted to purchase his grain, uh, the company had sent him a draft contract over text and the farmer a guy called Chris Atcher, he replied with a thumbs up. Now, Mm. Atcher says that he was just indicating that he was going to review the contract, but the court said that the thumbs up emoji was actually a valid way to convey a signature, and that left Atcher on the hook for about $61,000. That is a very expensive text message. And from now on, Claire, I am going to go analog and I'm only going to use parchment and quill. (laughs) Yes, seems a very foul proof compared to an emoji anyway. <laughs> Taylor Swift is just kicking goals this year, Claire. She has broken two records following the re-release of Speak Now, Taylor's version. Yeah, so the first of those records is that she's become the first woman to have four albums in the top ten of the US charts at the same time. So Speak Now, Taylor's version of it, uh, it debuted at the top spot and it's joined in the top ten by Midnight's Lover and Folklore. Mm. The second record that Swift 
soft as broken this week is that <laughs> she's now got more number one albums than any other female artist ever. Uh, Speak Now became her 12th number one album and she's now tied four number one albums with Drake, who also has 12 of those chart toppers. Although both Drake and Taylor are quite a few albums behind the Beatles, who had 19 number one albums over their time. Although, Claire, Taylor will catch them. Oh, I don't know. The Beatles are pretty good. (laughs) Claire, I reckon check your drawers because an unused first-generation iPhone has sold for... $279,000, which is more than 300 times the original price. Isn't it incredible? And Alex, I don't know if you're actually pointing at me saying that I have a cluttered home, but (laughs) I can absolutely tell you that in that bag of cords and an old iPad and Mm. a mouse that doesn't work, there is not a $279,000 first generation iPhone. I know, a real shame. I could just be calling you an early tech adult. Declare. That's the positive spin. <laughs> yeah, glass half full. <laughs> Squiz the day, Claire. The men's ashes returns tonight. Yeah, it sure does. So that's a really important one in that series. So fingers crossed for the Aussie men. Uh, I'm looking out for season two of The Bear. I know a yes. couple of weeks ago I said I was going to chuck a sickie on the Wednesday to watch the Wham doco. I reckon I might <laughs> need to chuck a sickie today for The Bear. I can't wait to watch it. I, I do not blame you, Claire. I do not blame you. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow. G'day, I'm Kate Watson, co-host of News Club. News Club this week was an interview with Lauren Sams. She's the fashion editor at the Australian Financial Review. She's all over the business of fashion and retail, so I pulled her in to talk to us about fast fashion and ultra-fast fashion. In particular, businesses like Timu and Shein, who in Australia alone are on track to record more than $2 billion in sales. Here's a clip from that conversation. What is happening is that it's recalibrating fashion as a single-use item. Mm. So when you think about something that's 6 or $7, you know, my, I bought coffee this morning and that was $5.50. And that that's a single-use item to me. You know, I, I have my coffee. Like actually is, like you cannot use that twice. No. <laughs> and so when you're talking about a dress yeah. that's sort of an equivalent price – People equate it with something that doesn't need to be valued. Um, You don't need to wear it again. To listen to the full interview, just search for News Club in your podcast app and hit follow.